Welcome to episode 107 of the Introvert Entrepreneur Podcast. I'm Beth Bilo, and I'm grateful that you're spending this time with me today. Whether this is your first or your 107th episode, I hope you hear something that will make you smile, spark an insight, improve your business, and maybe even change your life. This is the perfect episode to follow up on last week's conversation with Janine Morrison. Both episodes are about breaking through to our creative side and expressing ourselves in interesting ways. While Janine's expression is art, Barbara McAfee's is voice. Singing is part of her presentation, but for our interview purposes, we're focusing on our speaking voice. I've heard so many introverts talk about their desire to have their voices heard. And by that, they usually mean one of two things, and sometimes both. First, that their message or contribution isn't cutting through the crowded conversations of their workplaces, and that the extroverts or their more vocal peers are dominating. Or two, that their literal voices aren't being heard. I know this has happened to me. I tend to be somewhat gentle spoken by nature, confident, but usually not able to project very far. Well, actually, I can project if I really want to, but what sounds like just loud enough to others can feel like shouting to me. This can influence everything from my ability to break into a conversation and not get talked over to needing to hold the attention of a room full of people. And that's where Barbara comes in. In this conversation, she invites us to take full advantage of the range of voice we have within us. Because the truth is that in order to be heard in spite of the crowd, we need both a clear message and a clear voice to carry that message. Barbara McAfee is a voice coach, singer-songwriter, keynote speaker, and author who merges lessons from 12 years in organization development with the transformational power of sound. Her book, Full Voice, The Art and Practice of Vocal Presence, was a number one Amazon bestseller in business communication. The book is based on her 25 years as a voice coach, supporting people from many professions in learning how to access the full power and expression of the voice in service to their work and their relationships. Barbara's musical keynotes blend practical content, sophisticated humor, and thought-provoking questions on topics including voice, leadership, and engagement. Barbara has produced seven CDs of mostly original music and is founder of the Morning Star Singers, a volunteer hospice choir in the Twin Cities. Barbara lives across the street from the Mississippi River in Minneapolis, Minnesota, USA. Hi, Barbara. Welcome to the Introvert Entrepreneur Podcast. I'm excited to talk with you today about using the full range of our voice. Thank you, Beth. It's a joy to be here. Well, what is making you smile today? Well, talking to you is a really, I've been looking forward to this, so that's one thing for certain. And it's warm here in Minneapolis, Minnesota, where I live. It's going to be in the fifty, in the wow. 50s tomorrow, which is unbelievable. Yeah, because we're, February. exactly, we're talking February 18th, and so yeah. that is not what yeah. I would have guessed. <laughs> so I'll be out walking along the Mississippi River in a little while. Awesome. Well, I'd like to provide our listeners with a little bit of context about where you fall on the introvert-extrovert spectrum. So as they're listening, you know, they have that piece of information. So where do you fall on that spectrum, and how has that awareness influenced you as an entrepreneur? Well, I am an ambivert, Beth. I'm oh, yes. Right smack dab in the middle, which I think helps me as an entrepreneur, as a voice coach for sure, because I can coach people all along the spectrum 
and have some kind of understanding of the world they're living in. Mm -hmm. I don't know that I could be a creative person. I'm a singer-songwriter. I don't know that I could create unless I had a strong introvert. Mm -hmm. And I don't know that I could perform and interface so much with the public if I didn't have that capacity to at least impersonate an extrovert. Yeah, we hear so much about performers being introverts, but I wonder how many of them are actually ambiverts and don't realize it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think there's a way to hide in there. You mm-hmm. know, you can hide in plain sight as a performer. And then I think sometimes people are shocked when they in- encounter the actual person who's yes. not in that role. And then they think, well, what happened to you? You're all owly and weird. <laughs> yes, know, there's, exactly. There's that shiny person I just saw. Yeah. I imagine some performers feel a lot of tension around that. And I'm guessing, you know, part of what you do is something that might help alleviate some of that tension, just in terms of someone's presence and how they're showing up. So maybe tell us a little bit, you're a vocal coach. So what does a vocal coach do? And how did you come to become one? Well, I don't know how other people do it. But <laughs> The way I put it is I help people find their voices, whatever that means to them. Mm-hmm. And I work with people on varied levels. Some people come to me because they have specific vocal problems. You know, they talk funny or mm. their voice gets sore if they're presenting a lot. Sometimes people come to me because they have a change in role. I have a woman who's worked a lot one-on-one with people who's now written a book and is doing more speaking. And what works well one-on-one vocally is terrible for public speaking. It puts people straight to sleep sometimes. And then I also, if people are open to that, work with the voice as a kind of tool for self-reflection, personal transformation, and growth because you can't change your voice without having the rest of your life come along for the ride. Yeah, I wonder if we realize, and I think that's what's going to come out here in the in the course of this conversation, how powerful our voices are, what, what role they play in making an impression on other people, and how they reflect what we think of ourselves. It's really a direct correlation. And I actually found my way to this work quite by surprise, because I was sort of leading my daily life as an organizational development consultant. And then in the evening, I was being a singer-songwriter and a performer, and I kind of thought those two things were completely separate. And that was on purpose. Mm -hmm. I really didn't imagine those two things would connect. And then my colleagues at work started referring people to me for voice coaching. Um, one of the one of the first ones sounded a lot like this, you know, and she was brilliant. And she was so there was so much going right for her and people around her had great plans for her, you know, becoming more and more powerful in this organization, except that it's really it was really hard to be in the room with her. <laughs> so eventually, I decided that there were a lot of organizational consultants out there, and that there weren't many people who could do the kind of voice coaching and training that I do. Mm-hmm. So I, I walked away 13 years ago. And Boy, has it been a great ride ever since. Yeah, haven't looked back. <laughs> Not at all. No. And, and actually what you're doing is helping organizations in many ways by helping the individuals be able to contribute more fully and be able to be in the room with the person with the annoying voice. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and it's also, I also do corporate training. I'll work with people in groups and then they have this language and this shared experience right. that they can coach each other more skillfully and and kind of bear witness to each other's continued development Mm -hmm. vocally uh, in a way that's really fun. It's also very enlivening and very much not your average corporate training. Absolutely. Yes. One that (laughs) they might actually look forward to going to. (laughs) 
noisier. Yeah, they'll look forward and dread it both. Yeah. Exactly. Well, <laughs> you have a book called Full Voice, The Art and Practice of Vocal Presence. And in that you define five distinct vocal colors. And would you describe and even demonstrate each one and how they're used in everyday conversation? I certainly will. Well, first, I, I created this approach to empower people to communicate more effectively with more people about more things, sort of to give them more choice about their voice. Mm-hmm. And as you mentioned earlier, how we say what we say has a huge impact on whether our message is going to be understood or not, which is particularly challenging, I think, for introverts. Mm-hmm. We'll get to that in a minute. Uh, the five elements that I use in my work include earth, fire, water, metal, and air. And each one correlates to specific human qualities, leadership qualities. For instance, an exaggerated version of the earth voice sounds a lot like this. <laughs> it's kind of a Neanderthal quality, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And you would never walk around talking like this unless you were a cartoon character. But in the everyday world, the earth voice sounds a lot like this. Do you hear that? Yeah, it's like deeper and more resonant. Yes, you're doing it now. Very good, Beth. (laughs) Yes, thank you. I'm mirroring. (laughs) (laughs) So what that sound is really good for is for getting grounded, first of all. Mm -hmm. If you you tend to be way up here and your energy gets nervous and you get really fast to come down into the sound, slows you down and grounds you back into your body, it's also very useful for projecting authority. Yeah. So let's try this experiment, all right? You're okay. ready, ready for some more mirroring? Okay, I'm ready. Okay, okay. So try no, 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 no. Right. So mm. I work with lots of, especially young women leaders who don't know how to get to their earth voice. And they don't understand why they can be sitting around a table and someone, male, says the exact same thing they said with their little up-talking voice, you know, Mm -hmm. where they go up at the end, and suddenly that idea is heard and given credence Mm -hmm. when when they've said it. It hasn't. So the earth voice is very good for gravitas, right? Yes. I always always think of Maya Angelou Mm -hmm. with this voice. So that's the earth voice. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. Absolutely. And and I love yeah. that you're pointing out that we think that it's a, and it might be to some degree a gender issue with, you know, the woman saying something and then the men saying the same thing and them being heard. But I'm also hearing, mm, don't play the gender card necessarily. Look at how you're projecting that and what kind of tone of voice are you using and does it project authority? Yes. Yes. We're not going to solve all of the gender mm-hmm. disparities your voice, but I think there's ways that we can at least not help it go wrong. Right, right. right. So there's earth. And now we're going to work with fire, which is very fiery. You've heard the phrase fiery orator Mm -hmm. before. Yeah. I always think of Dr. King Mm -hmm. or Bonnie Raitt. You know, there's lots of big voices out there. And for this one, I always like to have people pretend that they're like a Luciano Pavarotti, a kind of opera singer. So I have people say, lasagna. Try saying that. Lasagna. 
Yeah, this is really hell for a lot of introverts. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's like the only thing that's good is like I'm in the quiet of my own private office and exactly. <laughs> nobody can hear me. <laughs> well, thank you so much for, for indulging me. So fire, as you might imagine, now that's the extreme version again. Mm-hmm. But in a regular day-to-day context, the fire voice is really great for public speaking. If you're going to get up in front of a room and command attention, you can hear I'm using it now, even through technology, I think. Can you? Yes, I can absolutely hear it. Yes. So it's very good for public speaking. It's good for expressing passion. Mm -hmm. And it's really good for being seen and heard. Yes. Really taking your place in the world. What I hear is enunciation. Like that's what feels different than than the earth to me yes. as you're talking. There's a particular care taken with each and every word. Yes. And there's a lot more projection. Mm-hmm. It carries very well. And the person I was just referring to earlier who has been very quiet, she's actually a chaplain. So she's mm. dealing with people who are very sad and upset. She's a hospice chaplain and who are traveling some of the hardest days of their lives. And this is kind of a water voice. This is yeah. probably how she's worked. Now, you get in front of a group of people in a great big room and you start talking like this, especially if it's after lunch. <laughs> they are gone. Snooze fest. <laughs> you don't command much with the water voice or the earth voice even. Yeah. But this one, you know, you have to sort of stand up and pay attention. So it's very good for that. I had an introverted uh, client years ago who was the leader of a large architectural firm. And he saw himself on video talking about how passionate he was about the work they do. Now, this was a guy from, you know, a farm out on North Dakota. He was an introvert. He's a white man, you know, Mm -hmm. and Midwestern. I mean, sort of many layers of reserve. Sure. And he saw himself on this video and he was horrified. He was saying, and we're just very, very passionate about (laughs) this work we do. (laughs) And he came in and he said, help me. I am passionate, but it just doesn't show. Mm -hmm. And what was very interesting is when we were going through these exercises, a longer version of the ones I'm showing you, he actually had a lot of fire in his voice when he he would open it up. He just hadn't gotten used to bringing it into his everyday speech. And uh, he moved quite a distance, but that was that moment of horror of watching himself talking about passion (laughs) with no passion whatsoever. Yeah, he might have he might have felt like in the moment that he was communicating that, but uh, he he did not have access to that full range. It sounds like. Well, I know as an ambivert, my introverted self, I know I have a very rich inner life, mm-hmm. and sometimes it just doesn't translate. It doesn't quite get all the way out. Right. And a lot of the work that I've had to do as a speaker and a singer and a presenter is how do I get what's inside of me accurately conveyed into the world? And I think that's particularly challenging for introverts because it's just great in here. It is. How how come you can't see this? (laughs) Okay, so that's fire. So we've got earth, fire, and now we're going to go to water. And water is like I demonstrated earlier. Um, There is a sound that people make almost automatically at least in many cultures that I've been exposed to, when they hear something very sad or something tragic, often they put their hand on their heart and they go, oh. Mm-hmm. Or if you're consoling someone, you know, you don't say, wow, that sounds really hard. <laughs> right. Usually, if you're successful at all, you can say, that just sounds very difficult. Yeah. Right. 
just a gentleness where we sing lullabies a lot of social workers and counselors and chaplains are good at this um that's so very flowing and warm do you feel do you hear I that do, i do yeah. it's very familiar a, as a coach <laughs> yes and you have a lot of this in your own voice yeah. which is probably why people feel safe with you right mm -hmm. thank you mm -hmm. she says with perfect water um, <laughs> So what the water voice is good for, as you might imagine, is pretty much anything your heart has to say. Mm -hmm. An affirmation, good job, that was great, or welcome, it's good to see you, or I'm so sorry, or I have bad news. I've talked to people who have had really difficult things happen at work, like losing their jobs. One gentleman told me, the actual experience of losing my job was hard, but what was even harder was the way it was conveyed. It was heartless. Mm, yeah. He said, I know they yeah. had to downsize. It wasn't a big surprise to me. But after eight years of 60-hour weeks, to be treated so inhumanely, I'm recovering from that first. Yeah. yeah. So I think that there's a kind of emotional intelligence about when to call on the water voice, especially if you need to apologize. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. Absolutely. Why do you think people, even if they instinctively know, like, let's assume maybe they have some of that emotional intelligence, but they have to deliver that kind of bad news, like I need to let you go. What do you think causes them to put up that kind of barrier and not use, you know, a water voice and maybe talk more from one of the others? Oh, I think it's pretty clearly self-protection. Yeah. Yeah, the vulnerability of using that kind of tenderness is you'd have to, you have to feel Mm -hmm. And that's so unprofessional, right? Right, right. I mustn't cry. I mustn't, yeah, there's a kind of self-protection, which is completely understandable. I, I have never had to let anybody go. I mm -hmm. don't know what that's like. It's painful. Yeah, yeah. Okay, thank you. Sure. So now moving up to metal, which is very, very nasal. It's right kind of from the mask, as a lot of singers or speakers talk about, the front of your face, your nose. And um, I usually use uh, irritable Siamese cats to open up this sound. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> most, most of us have heard those. It's very bright. And it is the voice I demonstrated earlier, my, one of my first clients. You know, the woman who talked like this. Yeah. And it's all nose. And the thing about this woman, I ran into her recently, and she was all the way across the room, and I knew exactly who it was. You know, <laughs> she didn't work with me for very long. She got, you know, promoted and moved on to something else. So we never really un un solved her issue, as you can tell. Yeah. Oh, my but gosh. I, stop. I know. It's terrible. <laughs> but I, I, I'm like, oh, my gosh, my ears. <laughs> no, all the way across the room. Yeah. So I, tell people if your microphone breaks in front of a large group if you mm. put a little metal in you're good to go yeah so you, not like that but yeah. <laughs> in a more kind of day-to-day -day way um like i lead community singing here in my little town it's part of my volunteer work and i'll be in a room on sunday with 60 people for a couple of hours and if I try to talk to 60 people without a microphone in a great big room, even when they're singing, if I don't use my metal voice, I'm going to get hoarse. Mm -hmm. I'm going to get tired. Or if I'm in a crowded restaurant and I'm trying to project this, which is my kind of regular voice, mm -hmm. people aren't going to be able to hear me. Yeah. 
But if I bring it up here, or honestly, I had a client last week who told me I saved her marriage. <laughs> I love it. Because <laughs> her husband's hard of hearing. Oh, of course. She has this kind of soft, kind of watery voice because she's a therapist. Mm-hmm. So you bring this to a man who can't hear very well, and he's not going to hear a thing you say. No. So she... She thanked me for saving her marriage with the metal voice. Who knew, right? Who knew? That's excellent. Yeah. I love <laughs> so, it. So little small doses, small doses yeah. with that. And finally, we have air. And air is exactly as you might imagine. Mm-hmm. It's very, it's light, it's breathy. Um, try it. And we talk to babies and pets here. So try yeah. this. Hi. Hi. Yeah. You know why babies and babies like that sound? Because that's how they acquire language by imitating us. Mm-hmm. So they reward us for going high and light, right? Right. Right. Hi, baby. Yeah, you know, that's not going to work. You like <laughs> How am I supposed to imitate that with my little larynx? So again, I have worked with lots of, uh, particularly women, mm-hmm. young women who this is their default voice and it's not very good for projecting authority or commanding a room mm-hmm. and you get a little dizzy after yes, a while. Yes, exactly. A little oh. hyperventilating. Oh, isn't that nice? However, it's good for a couple of things, even in the kind of most serious business environment. And one is for inspiring people's imagination. So consider the difference between these two statements. I have an idea. I have an idea. Mm-hmm. Which idea do you like, Beth? Yeah, that second one kind of takes me off into a, a vision of something. Yeah. yeah, it invokes a kind of another place. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing it's really good for uh, is storytelling. Yeah. So let me tell you a story. Kind of once upon a time in a land far, far away. So it kind of invokes... It can be used in small doses for, for those two things, even at, even at work. Mm-hmm. So there they are. Earth, Excellent. fire, water, metal, air. Yeah. <laughs> you have worked with a lot of introverts, correct? I have. I and have. I know that yeah, it's probably hard to generalize and, and put us all into one bucket, which is something that I resist doing, and you probably do too. But yes. do you tend to find that we fall into using one of these voices more than others? I really don't. I guess I don't see a lot of fiery introverts usually, mm-hmm. um, but generally I hear more earth and, and water and sometimes air. Mostly what I notice is that self-expression is kind of a second language for introverts. Mm-hmm. You can get very, very good articulating, you know, externalizing your rich interior world, but it probably will never feel as comfortable as it does if you're an extrovert. And, but gosh, there's a lot of people who function very well in multiple languages. I have a friend yes. who speaks five fluently. So I usually think of introverts want, and everyone I work with, but particularly introverts, finding ways to expand their choices, their flexibility, their range and their choices based on the message they want to convey. So to just kind of get outside of their identity as I'm an introvert and it's hopeless. Sure. Mm Because a lot of us feel hopeless about our voices. But by playing with these different characters and these different colors, you can sometimes open your identity a little wider and your capacity to express more 
variety of messages more effectively um, by, you know, without feeling like you're fake, right? That's right. often the, the issue for people when they come in. It's like, how am I going to do this without feeling fake? And I think these sounds, all of these sounds are just human. We make them instinctively all the time. We just most of the time do it unconsciously. And if we just bring some consciousness and practice to those, then I think we can express more accurately inside of our identities as introverts. Yeah. I'm thinking of a couple of times when I've taken various and and helped facilitate improv workshops. Mm -hmm. And so much about that is, um, at least in my experience, has been about vocalizing in different ways and being comfortable doing that and using um, that full range to express. So that's that's one area where I have found um, kind of a safe space to stretch into that other language. Yes, and when I do work with people in a longer format, individually and in groups, we pretend to be people we're not. Really? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how to do that. I know. <laughs> well, it's play acting. We make I know. Leave, you know, and we embody the caveman or Julia Child or cats or somebody at, mm-hmm. just because the identity has us on such a short leash. Yeah. It's just defending its current status. And will do so to the death. It really wants to stay exactly the same. So sometimes you have to kind of trick your current identity, trick your current story by kind of play acting, like improv or inhabiting a different character physically and vocally. Mm -hmm. And then you go, well, who did that? If it wasn't me, it was me. So that is a part of me. It's like like welcoming the parts of us that are in exile to come back. Yeah, Uh, Because we're all everything. We're all exuberant, we're all sleepy, we're all compassionate, we're all inspiring. Uh, Most of us have just not had much practice. Yeah. You're reminding me of a a writing exercise that I remember reading years ago, and this was a creative writing exercise where they would say, like, take a passage from your favorite book and write exactly in that style and basically imitate it with your own story. Exactly. And and what I'm hearing you is, you know, I found it easier, like if you had just said, use a fire voice, I would have been a little stuck. But when you gave me something to imitate, then it was easier to access that. So I imagine that's one of the ways that we can start to practice that is just to simply start imitating and not taking ourselves so seriously when we do it. Exactly. It's got to be. It's got to be fun. And I I do have videos that people can access for Mm -hmm. nothing Mm -hmm. on my website where I introduce each of the five and then take people through a little exercise. If people are interested in sort of going a little bit deeper in these, uh, they're ridiculous and fun and and sometimes loud. Uh, So that's one way that people can play if they want to play inside of my particular framework. Mm -hmm. But I have to say one of the best ways to open up your voice immediately and quickly is to sing more, for goodness sake. Even if it's in the shower or in the car or to your children or out in the woods. I have one woman who just walks, she's out in the country and she just walks through the woods singing at the top of her lungs. Singing is just exaggerated speech. Mm-hmm. People get really weird about the difference between talking and singing. It's really, uh, we use all the same equipment. Mm-hmm. It's all the same physiological pattern. It's just bigger. And so singing more can help people get more used to inhabiting different sounds, different colors in their voice immediately. And then when they go back to speaking, one of the things I have people come in sometimes and they say, 
I have a board meeting in two weeks. What can I do? <laughs> like, oh, great. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, well, there's miracle. a long arc of change in the voice. But I've had to come up with some really short-term things. And one of the things that I think really helps people is to just bring more of a sense of singing into how they speak. Mm-hmm. Like if I was just talking, you know, lazily to you, it would be sort of like this. Not a lot of energy. But if I just bring a little sense of singing into how I speak, there's a little more of a through line, mm-hmm. a little more movement in it. I still feel like myself, but I'm singing a little more when I'm talking. Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah. There, I, I get a sense of some rhythm. I get a sense of pitch changing a little bit and a little timbre changing. And I think that's what people are asking for maybe when they're saying, you know, don't be monotone. Right. It's more be uh, not sing song, but you know bring bring variation to the pitch yes. and to things. Yeah, yeah. So if you just bring more of a sense of singing, it it might feel a little bit more natural than if you're trying to vary your pitch mm-hmm. and you're you, you know trying to sort of impose these kind of mental patterns on to how you're speaking. If you just bring more of a sense of singing, you get a lot more breath support. Yeah. Your tone is more interesting, and there is more of that variety in what you're saying. Yeah. Energy in general. So anything else that might be a simple trick or tool or experiment or exercise that we can do to continue to access that full range? Well, one thing I like to suggest is reading aloud. If If you have children in your life, or even if you don't, if you have somebody who will sit still for you, or even to yourself, just reading aloud can help you think through and and feel through how you're using your voice. One thing I also suggest if people, especially if people are allergic to singing, and there are a lot of them, (laughs) is to memorize a short poem or two. Mm -hmm. Because poetry lies kind of halfway between everyday speech and song. So it's a little bit more, there's more expression, there's more color, even in the words. So... uh, those are some ways that people can work. Uh, I carry around about 40 poems in my memory. And they're so really handy to have as a, as a coach and as a, as a trainer and a speaker to yeah. just be able to pull a poem out. People look at you like you just pulled a rabbit out of a hat. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, what poem comes to heart and mind right now? Oh, there's one by Wendell Berry that I love called The Peace of Wild Things. Oh, yeah. Do you know that one? I've, I've heard it before, yes. You want to hear it? Yes, please. Okay. When despair for the world grows in me, and I wake in the night at the least sound in fear of what my, my, oh gosh, I can't do it off the top of my head now. (laughs) Sometimes, you know, I love it so much that my love trips up my tongue. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's all good. Well, (laughs) Well, it's real good. It is a really good (laughs) time. Yeah, <laughs> and I will put it. I'll, I'll actually uh, find the text, and if I'm able to put it in the show notes, that so would people be great. can read it. It's okay. I put you on the spot, so it's, it's all it's all good. But <laughs> but the way you started, you gave us a lovely demonstration of what that sounds like. You yes, know how poetry does sit in that that middle space. Slower and it's more colorful because if we if we read poem most poetry fast the brain doesn't have time to create the images that are being evoked. Mm -hmm. So there's a way that when I am speaking to groups or something, I tend to get excited and get fast. And if I just, it can help me slow down a little bit to think about how would I speak this as a poem? 
Yeah. Nice. You kind of love the words more. Yeah. 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 Caress each one. <laughs> exactly. Nice. Well, I want to wrap up our conversation together with a question that I ask all of my guests. And this is about being granted a three-week vacation on Introvert Island. <laughs> and you can only take three books with you. What would you take with you and why? Well, that's a great question. I like the, I like the picture immediately. <laughs> uh, one, I would bring um, a volume of Mary Oliver's poetry. Mm -hmm. I love memorizing her poetry. And I'm a fast reader. So... If I brought, you know, three short novels, they'd be gone the first two days. So if I bring Mary Oliver, I'll probably memorize a handful of poems by the time I leave the island. So yes. that's why for that. I would bring a book that I just received as a gift called The Music of Life by Hazrat Inayat Khan, who is a Sufi mystic who talks a lot about sound and music at kind of the heart of life. Mm -hmm. And so I'm excited. I, I'd like to bring that because I just got it and I haven't read it yet. But also I think it would be fun to savor those big ideas slowly. And then finally I would bring The Elegant Universe by Brian Greene, which is also sitting on my bookshelf. It's very fat, so it would take me a while to get through it. Mm -hmm. And it opens up all those fascinating large questions about the origins of the universe and dark matter and all of that stuff, which is really hard, I think, to digest at the pace I'm generally living. Right. Yeah. Great. Well, how can people connect with you, Barbara, and learn more about you and your work and, and your videos and everything that you have to offer? Well, I have a website. Isn't that amazing? That is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> it's www.barbaramcafee.com, and I imagine you'll put that in the notes as well. Absolutely. Yeah. People can also access my book, and it's multiple forms. I mean, there's the regular paperback and the Kindle version. There's also an audiobook of me reading my own book, mm -hmm. and also an enhanced ebook for iPad and Nook Color, which has built in videos and songs, actually. So oh, as you're awesome. reading along, you can just hit the screen, and I pop up and teach you how to use the water voice. Very good. <laughs> so that's, that's, a, that's a good way. Excellent. And one of the ways I was um, connected with you also was through a TEDx talk that you gave. Yes. So yes. I want to make sure that I have a link to that. Yes. That is also on my homepage on my website. But, great. Uh, yeah, that was a, a great joy. It's been getting lots of good attention. Uh, I also have a blog at uh, fullvoice.net. Okay, perfect. Well, we'll have links to all of that in the show notes. And, um, and I look forward to perusing more of it myself and continuing to stretch because as we're talking, I'm thinking of all of these different situations of being at a public speaking engagement and thinking you're going to have a microphone, but you don't. And yes. those times when you say, can you hear me in the back of the room? And they say, no. Yes. <laughs> and, and now I feel like I've got, you know, a, some tool to, to pull on. It's like, oh, okay, it might be some time for some fire or metal here. Exactly. And yeah. the best way to practice is to just pay attention. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you so much for your sharing and uh, for leading us through the experience for making me feel safe and uh, <laughs> projecting my voice. And uh, here's to all of us doing that. It's been a great pleasure. Thank you so much, Beth. Thanks, Barbara. In closing, Barbara has generously offered to share a song with us, with words by Kebir, music by Jody Healy, and singing by Barbara. Take a listen.
shared with me that that is a great song for introverts and terrific for opening up your fire voice. And there's also more good news. She's offering an mp3 of the song as a gift to you. All you have to do to claim your copy is to email her at barbara at barbaramcafee.com and request it. And please let her know that you heard about it on this podcast. And I will include the link to Barbara's email in the podcast show notes. And be sure to carve out a few minutes to watch Barbara's wonderful TEDx talk called Bring Your Full Voice to Life. I've included a link to the talk in the show notes, along with her Introvert Island book selections and other contact information. In closing, I want to express my appreciation to the most recent Amazon reviewers of my book, The Introvert Entrepreneur. And in keeping with the theme of this podcast, I love that they both wrote something about voice. Brett wrote, Beth doesn't just share her research. She also adds her voice to the discussion from her experience. I really appreciate her tone. No pushy sales agenda here. She's an introvert, remember? And Tracy shared, I keep finding myself drawn to the chapter called Finding Your Voice and the way she explains that using introvert strengths such as listening, reflection, and curiosity can be more effective than faking extrovert skills. Thank you so much, Brett and Tracy, for taking time to share your experience with the book. And if you have read the book, I encourage you, once you've finished it, to leave an honest review on Amazon. Share what you thought of the book, what you liked or what resonated, and if you'd recommend it. It only takes a few minutes, but it is so helpful to others in terms of giving them insight into whether the book is right for them. I've included a link to the book in the show notes. Thank you so much for your consideration and your time. This is Allison Carroll from ACK Organizing. Please join Beth and I on her next podcast as she and I talk about clearing clutter for a happier, healthier life. A special thank you to my podcast producer, Paul Messing, and my assistant, Naja, for the episode show notes. And a huge thank you to you for spending this time with me. This is Beth Below of The Introvert Entrepreneur. And until we meet again, remember that success is an inside job. Mm-hmm.